This comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 12, just one verse. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord today for you as people. And may it reveal to us afresh and anew means in the manner in which God has come to set us free. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> this past Friday night, we had our annual pastors, uh, Christmas dinner, pastors and spouses. We all gathered at the lovely home of Case and Jody Thorpe, and Jody uh, treated us to kind of a Louisiana uh, Cajun feast of gumbo and a host of other things. It was incredibly delicious and good, and kind of the evening went along, and we finally got to that white elephant gift part of the evening. Many of you have been a part of this. It can go on for a nauseatingly long time. We put in some rules so that that would not happen. And so, you know, you open a gift, and then the next person can either take that gift or they can open another one. And so we're doing that. Well, it comes time for me and Lee to open our gift, and I spy this white envelope in the gift pile. And I'm thinking to myself, lottery tickets, <laughs> right? So I'm thinking instant wealth, right? So I'm very hopeful, and I pull it out, and this is actually the gift that Brett and Kim Allen brought. But then I saw that written on the other side, you can't read this, but it says, imagine fancy wrapping paper. <laughs> this is my new favorite thing. Because I hate wrapping things, right? Wrapping Christmas presents is the dumbest, most wasteful thing. Like Hallmark thought that whole thing up, right? You just wrap something, you spend all that time and all that money just to have it ripped off and thrown away into the corner. So I just, I don't do it anymore, right? I, I do all my shopping online. And so when the packages arrive, I, I look at who it is for and I just write their initials on it and under the tree it goes. So tomorrow, my boys are going to get a box that says Titleist on it, right? Their initials. My wife's going to get a box that says De Beers. No, just kidding, honey. You're not, <laughs> not actually. No, no, she's not. Lots of boxes under our tree that say Amazon, right? So I just, I've never been a big wrapping guy until I sort of had this epiphany when I read Luke 2.12. And I've read it probably a thousand times. You've read it a thousand times. The shepherds are out in their field. They're minding their own business. Again, they're probably the last people that we would ever expect God is going to reveal such an incredible message to because they're social outcasts. They're spiritually unclean. And yet he appears to them. He says, the Christ child has come. The Christ child has been born. So the shepherds are obviously probably wondering, well, how can we find him? And God says, this will be a sign. Okay, people, you should be jumping up and down right now, right? Because who among us hasn't asked God, I don't want a show of hands, for a sign, right? We, haven't you at least at one time in your life said, God, if I could just have a sign, it'd be so much easier. Lee and I have these little kind of miniature trees on either side of our front door. And many times I've said, God, if I could just come out of the door and find one of them burning and you would speak to me through it. 
right? It would be so much easier. But what do we know to be true about God? God's never been a big sign guy, right? I mean, Jesus says in John 20, blessed are those who haven't seen, didn't get a sign and yet have believed. He said in Matthew 16 to the religious leader, he said, you wicked and adulterous generation, there's not gonna be any sign except for the sign of Jonah. So we kind of get this idea that there aren't gonna be many signs. And yet in Luke 2, 12, he says, this'll be a sign. So if you have your Bible, circle that verse and hang lights from it. Draw arrows on every side because God is saying to us, pay attention to this. All these years, I'd missed it. He says, this is a sign. We ought to be locked into whatever it is. And what is it? He says, well, there's gonna be something that's wrapped. And I'll come back to what's wrapped in just a second. But he says, there's gonna be something wrapped in cloths. And this is where I missed it too. Like I didn't know for hundreds and thousands of years in nearly every culture, if you're gonna give a gift to someone, you wrap it. And before the days of Hallmark and really cheap thin paper, you wrapped your gift in a cloth. And the way that you wrapped it and the time that you took to wrap it and its presentation and its appearance and the nature of the cloth, the cloth was actually part of the gift because the cloth was how you carried it home. And it all made a statement to the recipient of the love and the care and the affirmation that the giver had to who was receiving it. So there's a reason why so many of you take time to wrap gifts. I now feel guilty of not honoring my family for all these years, right? But it's an expression. So God is saying, here's a sign. I'm gonna give you a gift. How do we know? Because it's wrapped and it's wrapped in cloths. And the gift that God gives in its simplest form is an expression of his love and his care for us and his affirmation of us. And what is that gift? He says, essentially, I, the gift is my son. The gift is the long-awaited Messiah. The gift is the Christ child. Essentially, what God says is, the gift that you find wrapped is, is me. I'm gonna give you myself, God in human flesh. And this inaugurates the third chapter of what we talk about around here. It's called the four chapter gospel. It's the arc of the biblical story. So we don't believe the Bible is a set series of separated books written all at different times. It's one single story that starts with creation. It goes to the fall in Genesis three. And then it's the story of God's plan to redeem and save the world. And at the end of it is the restoration of all things. But redemption and when, is when God in Christ is born. But what makes this unique? It says that this child, God is giving us the gift of himself, God in human flesh, and he's going to be wrapped. Well, you know, if you're a parent and you've, you remember that day your child was born, they're used to being all cocooned up in the womb and they're safe and secure. Well, man, when they're born, the arms and legs are going everywhere, right? Because they are insecure. They need to be wrapped. They need to be swaddled fast. Right, and my, my daughter, some of you know, Kaylee is a mother baby nurse at, over at Advent Health in Winter Park. And so she's dealing with kids all the time. And I'll never forget, you know, parents, sometimes you have an out-of-body experience where you see your child in their professional 
roll, and our grandson Callum had been born, and we're all in the hospital room, and, I, and, and Kaylee takes him and, and puts him, like lays him over her forearm like this, and I'm like, is that really the right way to hold a baby? I, I guess so. And so he's kind of laying this way, and then she takes that blanket, lays it down, puts him in it, goes whoop, 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 and Callum's just like this all of a sudden. And I'm like, wow, she really knows what she's doing. Right? And he was so secure all of a sudden because he's wrapped tightly. But what's different about Luke 2.12? The child who's wrapped is God. All that glory, all the majesty, all the power, the breath that he holds the universe in his hands, and yet he's limited, he's bound. He's restricted. He's constrained. And in that moment, we find how willing he was to go to any depths, to enter into the life that you and I lead every day in this sinful, broken, darkened world. We're constantly being bound up by it. And Jesus, bound in those cloths, was demonstrating, I've come to be bound up just as you are in order to ultimately set you free from it. And people, this is actually what separates Christian faith from every other religious tradition in the world. No other religious tradition allows for a God to come down. Every other religion is trying to do something according to the commands of that God in order to make themselves good enough to reach up and get to heaven or wherever it is they're trying to get to. Only in Christian faith would no other religious tradition would allow for a God of power. They would, they would consider it an egregious look at their God if he humbled himself and came here. No, but Christianity says our God looks at us bound up and tied up by the things of this world and realizes we'll never get to him. And so he comes to be with us People, logic tells you two contradictory truths cannot both be true at the same time. And this is where you find that Christianity is a fork in the road. Because in no other religion does God come down. In no other religion does God humble himself in order to lift others up. In no other religion does God enter human time and space. Every other religion says no. Christianity says yes. Frederick Buechner writes, those who believe in God can never in a way be sure of him again. Once they've seen him in a stable, they can never be sure where he will appear or to what lengths he will go or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will descend in his wild pursuit of humankind. And this means that we are never safe that there is no place where we can hide from God, no place where we are safe from his power to break into and recreate the human heart because it is just where he seems most helpless, that he is most strong, and just where we least expect him, that he comes most fully. The wild pursuit of you by our God means that he's come in human flesh and he's been bound up even as you are this night. So many of you, 
if not all of you in some way are tied up and bound up by the things of this world. Some of you tonight are just bound up by grief and loneliness because that person that's been here forever, they're not here this year. And it's this dense fog that you can hardly even see through. You can't imagine a future because of how that has bound you up. Or some of you are just bound up by fear, plain and simple fear, fear of tomorrow, fear of decisions, fear of what's happening in the world. We get so twisted by everything that we read and hear. Or maybe it's more personal than that. Some of you are just bound up by alcohol. We talked about that in October. Or maybe you're bound up by money and stuff and things and work and reputation and trying to prove to other people that you really are worthy and valuable. Maybe you're, some of you are bound up by illness or disease. Maybe an eating disorder. And you just feel as if you're living in this space. But people, that's why the hope of Christmas matters. Because Jesus came to address and deal with the very thing that's bound you up. Remember, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all people. But that's what Jesus was going to inaugurate and bring. It was not the state of the world then. It's not the state of the world now. But people, what I want you to understand is the relationship in the New Testament between wrapped cloths. And that's the wonder and the beauty of this text is we look at the beginning of Jesus's life, but that doesn't tell the whole story. We have to connect the dots. Remember, the Bible is one long story of God's plan to redeem and save the world. And where do we see the cloths, the wrapping cloths of our God? Again, we see them in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verses six to eight. Then Simon Peter arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. People, why was it separated? There we see it again, wrapped cloths, grave cloths, the things that wrapped Jesus up in death. And yet, Jesus is no longer in them, but the cloths have been separated. Why? Because God wants us to see them. Because he said in Luke 2, 12, this is a sign. The baby's gonna be wrapped in cloths. And then in John 20, he says, look, look at the cloths again. And what's different? What's different is that the grave cloths can no longer hold Jesus. But Jesus has come unbound. Jesus has been set free from sin and death and all the things that bind us up in this world. And so the good news of the gospel and the hope of Christmas is whatever binds you tonight, it will not always be this way. That God came in Christ and entered into a world in which he was bound and limited in order that you might be set free. Friends, that's the hope of the gospel. That's what we look to tonight. But then there's more. Because where else do you see wrapping cloths? Trace it through the New Testament. John chapter 11, Lazarus comes out of the grave and Jesus says, 
what? Take the grave clothes, the wrapping cloths. Help him off with them. And who helps him off with the grave clothes? All the people gathered around. See, friends, it's not just that you and I have been set free in Christ, that God is at work in this life and in the next to fully free us from everything that attacks us in this world. But then he calls us to be a part of setting others free. As the spirit of God works in us, we become the ones to go out into the world and just by virtue of how we live, you help free others from what binds them today. Maybe you read this story in the paper. A young lady in our church, Danielle Toll, she teaches ballet. About five, six years ago, there's a little girl in her class and she has cerebral palsy. And the little girl's mother had been told by a doctor, you know, she, she didn't speak, she didn't move a whole lot. And she told the doctor, you know, you, maybe you ought to try dance. And so she enrolls the girl in an Orlando ballet class and guess who's her teacher? Danielle Toll. And Danielle knew how to sign. And she and the girl start communicating. Danielle teaches all the other little girls in the class how to sign. And all of a sudden, this little girl with cerebral palsy falls in love with dance and movement. And this year, at the age of eight, she danced one of the lead roles in the Nutcracker on the A-team at the Dr. Phillips Center. Why? Because all Danielle did was say, here's a girl who's bound up by disease, and she just used her gifts to help unbind her and to set her free to live the life that God had called her to live. That's the privilege that every one of you has every day. To not simply stop and pat yourself on the back that you know God will set you free. No, you become the light and the life that moves into the world to unbind others and give to them the hope of a God who wildly pursued us all the way to this earth in order to set us free. May we be his people more and more as we understand our freedom and we move to free others in Christ as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you were willing to enter in to this dark and sad and broken world in order that what binds us today will never be able to hold us because it couldn't hold you. You triumphed over sin and death. And now you've called us to be your people, to be light that shines in darkness. And just like Lazarus's tomb, to be those who help others off with those very same wrapped cloths. So come now, Lord, as we remember at this table that very moment when you were set free. By your spirit, may these common elements of bread and cup become for us the living presence of your broken body and shed blood that we who receive them would know we have been set free and would be thereby empowered to move into your world as servants to build your kingdom. Pray to the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples together. He took bread and he broke it. After giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. As long as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and he poured it, all of it. As all of his blood was shed for the remission of our sins, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and drink, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, we in the Presbyterian Church believe in what is called an open table. And that means that all of you who profess faith in the incarnation, that the child wrapped at Bethlehem was in fact God in human flesh. And that on the third day, he rose again and freed himself from those grave clothes, triumphed over death. And that by that sacrifice, we might triumph over death as well. If you believe that, you're invited to come and to receive this his holy meal. You should have received a packet of elements as you came in. If you would now take those and we'll receive the sacrament together. If you'd go ahead and uh, unseal the bread and hold it up. This is the body of Christ broken for you. salvation. So, oh God, we humbly bow in thanksgiving and adoration, having received bread in this cup, we pray that we would now proclaim the victory that is yours through Christ over that grave and the promise and hope of our eternity. We ask it in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. 